Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Who Cares What's the Point, the podcast about the mind for people who think. And in this week's episode, I'm talking to an old friend of the show, Bertel Hansen, who is based at the Department of Political Science at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. In this week's show, we're talking about the increased incidence rate of trauma and stressor-related disorders in Denmark following the Anders Breivik attacks in Norway. Now, this is unusual because the database that they can interrogate in this study is phenomenal. It's um, all the psychiatric morbidity that occurred in Denmark over an extended period of time. So they can look at the, the cases that were uh, showing up in hospitals and, and other health uh, care professionals' clinics related to the timing of these attacks. Now, Bertel and the team have found some really interesting findings here, particularly about the role of the media. Now, what they conclude is that it's possible that news media alone plays a key role in triggering psychological reactions to terrorist attacks. Have a listen to the conversation between myself and Bertel and make up your own mind. Hi, Bertel. Uh, thank you again for, for joining us on the show. Um, maybe you can start with telling us um, what you were interested in when you were doing this research. I mean, clearly there's the event itself, but um, why were you interested in this? I think the, um, the main motivation actually, it, it came from a, a different study that we, or very similar study that we did on the 9-11 attacks, where we found a, we found an increase in the number of Danes with this particular type of disorder, with these types of disorders, uh, trauma and stress-related disorders, in the weeks right after the 9/11 attacks, uh, and we was we were thinking, uh, is this just 9/11? Because 9/11 was such a like an exceptional event in many ways, both in terms of, of the sheer level of violence or the casualties or the organization and the, the political repercussions that it had, um, and we were also interested in this. Um, and the fact that it was it was very far away from Denmark, it's across the Atlantic Ocean, and so we we are interested in looking at an attack that was closer and perhaps uh, smaller, sort of in size. So we uh, we looked at this the Breivik attacks in uh, in Norway in in July two thousand eleven, which are both both much less severe in a sort of uh, objective casualty sense. Only 77 people, only, but 77, 77 people died in those attacks. Mm. Uh, and yeah, but but it's much closer, both in a geographical and a cultural sense to Denmark than the 9-11 attacks. So let's um, just pause there for a second. And, and you mentioned the 9-11 attacks and the impact that that mm. had on the Danish population that you picked up. Um, perhaps you yeah. can tell us a little bit about what you found there. And then we can um, think about, well, what does that look like compared to, as you say, the, the Breivik attacks that happened um, much closer and in a in a society that perhaps could be considered culturally more similar to. So what happened with the 9-11 study that you did? Yeah. So basically, what we did, we, we just we ex, we uh, we examined the effects of the 9/11 attacks on the mental health of Danes, specifically a cyber umbrella the umbrella um, 
a category called trauma and stress-related disorders, uh, one of the most well-known being post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, but there are others in that category. Um, and we, what we found was that uh, compared to the expected level, the the number of people or the number of diagnoses being given at Danish psychiatric hospitals rose dramatically in the first weeks right after 9-11. So the first weeks saw uh, approximately a 16% increase in the number of diagnoses of these psychiatric disorders uh, being given at psychiatric hospitals in Denmark. And then it sort of declined back to the outset level over the next year or so. So it was a very dramatic, very sharp increase that didn't last. It lasted for about a year, but it, it decayed quite rapidly. So overall, over the next sort of one and a half years, the, the overall elevation of the number of people was like a 4% increase. Um, but the first weeks were very, it was very pronounced in the first weeks. It's like a, you can just look at the data and see a sharp spike that just jumps right after, right after the 9-11. So these were... These were Danes in Denmark affected yeah. by the 9-11 event in the States. And you saw yes. this sharp impact, but that actually continued on for a year. And there was actually still a residential, a residual impact above um, the normal kind of background rate that you would see for that time of year. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is that is exactly right. And uh, yeah, these these are these are Danes. So, so it's it's basically diagnosis being given at psychiatric hospitals in Denmark. So it's a, most likely none of these people were involved in any way in were involved in any way or around uh, in any way during these attacks. So it's all it's all like secondhand causes, or it's all secondhand through the media or something. Did and you- uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just about to touch upon that. Did you ask or have any controls around media exposure or other secondhand type of exposure? You know, in those sort of spheres or yeah. rings of influence that can be can have an impact. Well, not for nine uh, eleven. I mean, the, the design in itself is sort of um, we are we sort of in, in the, the design itself. It's it's a bit technical, but it sort of prevents. Uh, other factors from influencing the results under some, some plausible uh, plausible assumptions. I guess we I guess we can we can talk about the technicalities. Uh, but uh, in the Breivik study, we actually looked at the media exposure mm. of um, of these attacks. So yes, we'll come um, we'll come on to that. I think because I think that's yeah. that's really quite um, a fascinating. Uh, difference that you've picked up there. But let, let's um, stick to the actual exposure of the event um, to start yeah. off with, um, because I think uh, what you've done here is to try to compare the, the Breivik attacks to that sort of, um, and the impact that it had compared to um, the 9-11 uh, mm-hmm. impact that you picked up. So um, tell us a little bit about how you went about comparing um, the impacts of the two. Yeah, well... It's not in that in that sense. It's not the best of comparisons because there are there's there's simply there's more than one difference. So uh, right, so so ten years passed between those two events. Uh, the media changes changes focus or changes the way in which it reports about these events. Um, social media begins to begins to appear or be, become a much bigger part of the the overall media picture. 
Mm. And also the, the attacks are different in nature. So, it, and and then there's the, the, the last sort of uh, difference that we think is the most important one is the, the, the proximity in a cultural and a geographical sense to to Denmark, to these patients. Uh, so, so there are many. There's, there are more. There's more than one difference. So, it's not an ideal sort of lab comparison, uh, but those, those are difficult to make with the terrorist attacks. So, uh, but, so there are more than one difference. You could also speculate that the, the, the increase that we see for the bribing attacks compared to the 9/11 attacks, the, the bribing attacks increases much bigger. You can also speculate that that's because of a change in, in the way media reports about things and. Uh, sort of uh, the, the penetration into people's lives of these events because of social media and and how invasive that is in many people's lives. Uh, but uh, yes, so there's more than one difference between those two. Yes, yes, I totally appreciate that. It's a different time, uh, different kind of um, event yeah. uh, and, and the impact of it and the number of people involved. So so let's um, think about the methods that you used, because um, I'm really um, fascinated by this. So let's start off with, you know, what, what was the database that you were drawing from, how many people, but then how did you um, look at the impact over time? Because there's some really interesting sampling that you did here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically we our data is everybody in Denmark. So we have... Uh, total population data of all diagnoses ever being given at a Danish psychiatric hospital, psychiatric emergency room. Uh, and we use the period 1995 to 2012. And we do that, 2012 is the last year where we have complete data. It, it, there's a lag in registration. And in 1995, there's a change in registration. So we though data from before and after that date are, are not that comparable. Um, so, so our data is basically, it's it's everyone in Denmark. Um, and what we do with that is simply we we just count the number of diagnoses being given of this particular type of uh, this umbrella category of, of disorders uh, every week in that period. So our data is, is simply at this, this aggregated level. It's just number of people with this diagnosis every week, being given this diagnosis every week. Uh, in those years, um, and then we then we use something called intervention analysis, transfer function intervention analysis uh, to uh, to investigate that. And basically, it's about using all this data that we have before the event, before the uh, the terrorist attack, uh, the Breivik attack, or the nine eleven attack, and the other study, um, to create a statistical model that predicts what. The, the expected number of diagnoses following the event based on how uh, how the number of people progressed before then. So basically, for example, all these time series, they trend upwards. So basically, there's a general increase in the number of people diagnosed with, um, with any type of mental disorder, basically, in Denmark. Uh, in this period, and we we don't want to just observe that and say, oh, that's because so so that that's caused by 9/11. That's a, that's a general trend over the period. So so we do a lot of statistical mani- manipulations to to get a sort of a counterfactual in the sense based on the previous uh, previous development of this time series. So how many people did we expect to get this diagnosis after 9/11 based on data up till up till that point? And how many did actually? 
So that's sort of the yeah. And so yeah, you're so ruling out this uh, background increase in rate that you had been picking up anyway. So you've got a statistical correction to um, account mm. for that. Um, and yeah, so, and also like mm. seasonal effects. For example, mm. some psychiatric disorders they they increase in most most notably depression increase during the winter time. Uh, so we so we don't want to observe that. We don't want to we don't want to assert that oh, nine eleven caused this increase when it was really caused by just uh, seasonal variation. So there there's many sort of uh, corrections that we can do to make a good a good counterfactual really of what we, what the what the number of people would have looked like would have looked like without this attack. And we did a and podcast. then what it actually. Yes, oh, yeah. and we did a podcast talking about those seasonal variations and the impact of perhaps yes. time changes earlier on. Yes. If um, some of the listeners may have heard that, if you haven't, it's a it's a really good, interesting episode on the impact of um, taking the cl- uh, the, t- the clocks back. Uh, if you live in mm-hmm. those countries where we do have those seasonal adjustments to time, um, so okay, yeah. so you accounted for some of those seasonal variations as well, um, and you found, mm-hmm. I think, in the um, in the 9-11 study you did, you found a, um, as you said, there was a, an initial increase and that tailed off over over mm. time. Um, what did you find in your latest study looking at the impact of the Breivik uh, attack compared to the 9-11 attack? What, it, was it comparable? Was it larger? And what, what did the time series look like over the year? It was much larger. Uh, that was actually a bit surprising to us. Um, it is. It lasted much longer, and it was just much larger. It's about. They're not. They're. They're. They can be a bit difficult to compare. But if you compare the predicted number of people over the next one and a half years, it is about. Uh, the 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 predicted increase in the number of these diagnoses is about four times larger for the Breivik attacks than it was for the 9/11 attacks, which was. I think that was quite surprising to me, actually, that the difference is so marked. And um, it's actually, I do a lot of fancy statistics on this, but you really don't need it. You can just look at the time series and just see, um, and just see this increase. It's so so pronounced, so huge for uh, for the bribing attacks. Uh, yeah, I have so, the paper uh, in front of me now, and you can see on the graph, there's a, there's a spike there. Um, that's yeah. quite clear to see, even just visually, without even, as you yeah. say, looking at the statistical table and breakdown. Yeah. So those are the most, uh, at least to me, though, that's always the most persuasive results, those that don't depend on my fancy statistics. <laughs> uh, and you estimate here that there's around a 16% increase in the incidence of those trauma and stressor-related disorders in those uh, initial weeks, I think you said, um, is it 76 post-intervention weeks, so a year and a half following the uh, the event? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the total increase compared to the one, the previous one and a half years. So it's about 2,700 extra uh, diagnoses. Wow, wow. And, and then, as you say, the pattern is different over, over time compared to the 9-11 um, study that you did over the year and a half follow-up. How, how was it different? It's a bit, it's slightly, uh, it starts off slightly slower, but not much. It's mainly that it lasts a lot longer and then it's bimodal, actually. Um, it is. It has a big increase initially after the attacks and then it starts dipping down again after about a year or so and then it increases again a lot. 
um, a little over a year later. Mm. And you've got uh, some ideas around what that's that's about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We think that's related to media exposure. Um, so, so basically, I think it's it's I, at least there's there's I don't think there's any alternative explanation than these people. Uh, to the extent that they're affected by these attacks, that they must be affected through media exposure, because they don't—they're not in Norway or they're not in uh, New York at the time of the attacks. They just learn about it through media. So it must be that the media exposure is somehow causing people to react in this this sense or this way. Um, so we're interested in that, and we're also interested in this strange bimodal pattern. So it, there's a big. There's a big spike first or a big sort of hill right after the Breivik attacks. It just goes down after a while, after a year, and then it just goes up again, sort of a roller coaster looking effect. And this second spike uh, is a, a bit over a year after the attacks, and it corresponds exactly to uh, the passing of, of uh, Breivik's sentence. The week when, that's actually, the, it starts the week when he was sentenced. And that is also one of the weeks in that year with the absolute most media coverage around his person. So we, we did a different, uh, we, we counted all the number of times he was mentioned in the, in all aspects of the Danish press. press. So, and then we, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, because I, 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 this is fascinating to me. Uh, and you we've been talking about this study for, for a while and I'm, I'm pleased that it's finally made publication because... You know, I, I don't, I'm not aware of too many studies that that uh, can pinpoint the impact of um, the exposure and um, the number of times that a particularly traumatic story like this has been mentioned has been mentioned in the press, and then mm. actually tracking that quite carefully and finding an increase in not just symptoms but in diagnosed cases uh, in an officially yeah. recorded database like this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really the the data is great, and also the Bivik case is is pretty great for this because if you if you mention Bivik in a paper, it can only be about this case. So there's no confusion uh, about these these articles. They're they're all about they're all about this terrorist attack. So so when we see spikes in media attention around Bivik, we know that it's positively because they are mentioning him and his his terrorist attack. Mm. So it's 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 very clear. And you can actually use uh, as a, a sort of a test uh, instead of instead of using the actual terrorist attack to predict uh, the number of uh, of people diagnosed with these disorders. You can use the uh, spikes in media attention. So if you if you just forget about the fact that there's been an attack, you can accurately predict the development in these disorders just using. The number of times Bivik was mentioned in the Danish media. So that's really um, fascinating because you've got, like you say, a very specific um, uh, thing that you're looking for here in the media that yeah. you're um, scanning for mentions around this attack. And that there's an advantage there around from a research point of view. But what you're saying is that you could actually ignore the attack and just track mm -hmm. the number of times that Breivik is mentioned in the media. And that seems to correspond with the number of cases that have been diagnosed over that period of time and also the dynamic it's dynamically related yes basically it you can use these uh, weeks with with exceptionally large media coverage as 
um, as uh, their terrorist attacks in their own right, or you can as, as just assume that they are intervention, as they are terrorist attacks, and just uh, and then use that the same model, just assume that they are terrorist attacks. The weeks with high mentions of his terrorist attack, and they will, and you can predict the time series very well. So it's it it is as if that they act as their own attacks, weeks mm. with high mentions of. Mm. So let, let's let's start off with because um, I'll come back to that because I think that that's worth exploring uh, your, your thoughts around the implications of that. But let's um, think about the initial increase and, and the biphasic model that you have here. Why why do you think that this impacts for Danes of this event that didn't happen in Denmark was so much larger uh, than for nine eleven? What are your ideas around that? I think. Uh, and we are speculating a bit here, but I think that it's the it might as well have been us sense that Norwegians are very similar both in terms of uh, language and culture, but also they're well they're also very close in terms of geography. Uh, so so Danish people will have an easy time identifying with Norwegians. Something happened to a Norwegian might as well have happened to a Dane. Because the the two cultures are so similar. Actually, they were part of the same kingdom for for a long, long period in history. Uh, so it's it is as if it happened to us, so to speak. So I think that that is the main reason why the effects are so much larger than than the nine eleven effects. Simply because it it the, there's there could be a feeling that oh it's going to be us next time or this this could have been us. Mm. Is there any data available about um, the sorts of or the number of cases that were occurring in Norway uh, at a similar period of time? Yeah, uh, we don't have that data, but there there were studies done that showed the uh, that the the levels of I think it was post traumatic stress disorder specifically uh, they were perhaps unsurprisingly much higher among the people that were involved in the terrorist attacks, but they were also higher. Uh, there was increased levels of post-traumatic stress disorder in the population corresponding to how close they were to the attacks. So people in Oslo had higher, had more elevated levels than people farther away. Mm. And that makes so, sense. So Norwegians were affected by it. And the same, you had the same kind of results in uh, for 9-11 in the United States. Mm. But then you have uh, this... Um... But usually the data is, is worse. Mm. That's Sorry, yes. Um, and then you have this kind of like biphasic model, as you say, where you've got this large mm-hmm. surge with, that you picked up after the actual attacks, and then the secondary yeah. surge about a, uh, just over a year later, when which corresponded with um, what was going on in the courtroom and, and the lead up to the the conviction and then the, the sentencing. I think. Um, yeah. So this idea that the news can spike these. Um, trauma cases did you have any idea as to whether it was the same people being um re-traumatized or were mm-hmm. these new people um coming forwards at this point that is that's that is a, a a great question and it's one that we want to explore we haven't done that yet and there are some like technical reasons why because you have to get very specific permissions to do specific questions because this data is so sensitive Mm. Uh, but it sounds, I think, and uh, we've also talked about that in the group, that it's, it's very plausible that many of these could be reactivated cases. 
that you 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 the initial attacks they increase your sensitivity greatly, and you 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 react and you you get this diagnosis, and then you you feel better perhaps or or you're at least out of the psychiatric system, and then you it's mentioned again. I think that's also like common in in post traumatic stress disorder cases that similar events trigger your reactions again. So I think that's very, very plausible. We haven't been able to study it yet, but, but we can in the future. Okay, yeah, I think that would be really interesting. That sounds plausible, what, you're, what you were talking about there. But I, I guess, um, you know, you know the, the thing I always ask um, people who come on the show, Bertel, is um, why should we care about what, what you found about here? You know, what, what's the point? How can this be used and thought about in, in order to assist perhaps clinical services or understanding the impact of these sorts of events yeah. and how the media are involved in that? I think there are three main uh, practical sort of lessons or uh, takeaways from this study. And one of them, uh, the first one is, is perhaps more practical in the sense that it's, it can help psychiatric services, uh, prepare for these events. So unfortunately, there's probably going to be another terrorist attack somewhere, uh, and not perhaps one not too far from Denmark. And, it's, it's valuable knowledge for the psychiatric services to be able to say, all right, we can expect there to be an increased number of people coming with these symptoms in the next couple of weeks or next couple of months, really. So that's one of the, the sort of, that's a very sort of practical, practical uh, implication. There's also uh, a second one that, that's bigger that it, it's sort of, um, it helps in, in assessing the costs of terrorism. Because the terrorism is really not very dangerous. So like very, very, very few people die of terrorist attacks. So, but it's, it's constantly talked about and huge sums are being spent on preventing terrorist attacks. So it is, and that is in a way that's very, very strange because it's so, it's so not very dangerous to the general population. There's so few people being killed. It's like, shark attacks or bee stings or something like there, there are very few people being killed overall so why do we spend so much money on it well it's perhaps if that is justified it is perhaps because that they don't just hurt people by by killing the ones that they that they attack or wounding them they also hurt a very very large group of people that are not immediately affected by the by the attacks themselves they they cause fear but and they also cause uh, these fear to a degree that is so extreme that people develop uh, psychiatric illnesses that, they, that needs that needs treatment. So it's it's about assessing the costs of terrorism as well. And I think the third uh, implication is this media thing. If it is mediated through the media, if it if the effect is is translated through the media, is there anything we can do, or is there anything the media can do to prevent people from being so affected, from to prevent terrorism from being so uh, depressingly effective. So that's the media. That's the third point. The, is there anything the media can do to change? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess as I was, um, reading the paper, I was very struck by the last sentence, um, suggesting that the news media play a key role in triggering psychological reactions to, to terrorism. And I think what you're mm. saying there is that there's, um, that those, 
those effects uh, seem to be so highly yoked and so correlated mm-hmm. together that it's hard not to think that there is some kind of role being played here um, in yeah. in in um, this reoccurrence, the second spike mm. in this um, psychological disturbance that's being picked up. Yeah, definitely. And also just if it's it's hard to just to understand any spike in a different country, if not for the media. I mean, people don't if if the media doesn't report about a terrorist attacks uh, attack, there's no way Danes could have been affected. So it, it has to be through the media. I Did guess. you pick up any um, second spike like that in the 9-11 um, cases? No, um, and I think we may have been able to, but the effects were too small overall. So it, ha- it has to have be a huge effect for these sort of very uh, fine-grained dynamic changes to be able to, 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 for the model to be able to pick that up because there's so much noise in this data. Mm. And I guess that there was... Because a- it's week to week, so... Yeah. Yes, and there was a reason here as well in that there was the... You know, as well as the event, there was the the trial of the the actual yeah, person yeah. who did this, um, and that was a, a reason so for it to be picked up. Yeah, definitely, it was a very very clear sort of media uh, the the pro the progress of the media coverage very very clear. It's just the week of the attack, it's the trial, and it's the sentence, and then other than that, he's not mentioned that much. So where next for you? Um, you've talked about perhaps looking at the data and thinking about, well, is it the same people or how much of the, how much of this can be accounted for by the same people coming forwards at, at the in the first mm. kind of like group of people and then the, in, later on a, a little over a year later? W- what else are you um, curious about here with this um, with this study and this data set? Yeah, that, that is one angle, one that we that we are currently uh, working on or that we are actually we have just produced, uh, I think the final results for is looking at terrorist, terrorist attacks, not a single terrorist attack, but multiple terrorist attacks and the connection, basically terrorist attacks in countries where, where in immigrant countries or in, in countries where lots of the immigrants in Denmark they come from so so in home countries um, so basically we're interested in so so we, we think that the Bivik attacks affected Danes so much the general Dane because they were because Danes somehow somehow have a connection to uh, to Norway so we we became interested in okay so what happens when you for example if you're in if you're a Somali immigrant in Denmark and there is a terrorist attack in Somalia. Well, obviously, Somali immigrants in Denmark should we should expect them to have a strong connection to Somalia. So, uh, can we observe similar effects for for those instances? So, we basically take all terrorist attacks in the world that are registered, and then we look at okay, and then we look at all immigrants in Denmark, and we observe whether or not their levels of trauma and stress-related disorders increase after a terrorist attack or a violent event in their home country. That's, um, that's fascinating. So that, yeah. yeah. And, and I think you're going to have an unfortunately large number of, of events to be, to be sorting through here and figuring out how various yes. different immigrant populations have been affected by, um, these things yeah. going on in other places in the world. Yeah. They turn out to be really affected. Actually, the, the rates double the rates at which they get these diagnoses double in the weeks right after a terrorist attack in a home country so so people are immigrants are really really affected by violent events in their home countries so perhaps not, not so 
Yeah, so perhaps there's a, as you say, there is a um, a model here, uh, A, understanding the cost, but also thinking about the capacity and also um, surveillance of those immigrant populations yeah. when we do get um, events like this occurring around the world to make sure that um, we have care put in place for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we can just see just descriptively that the levels of a large number of psychiatric illnesses, at least in the Danish data, are way higher for for immigrants than they are for uh, regular regular Danes. Um, so so why is that? Well, there are, this is one of the reasons, probably that it is because in some of these countries there are continuously violent events continue to occur and that continues to affect people in other in the country that they've immigrated to. Thank you for listening to the show this week. I hope you found that an interesting conversation. Uh, it really does give us a pause to think about the sort of exposure that we have to this kind of news media and also the responsibility that news media organisations may have in uh, re-reporting and relaying some of this information to us. You can follow the show at whocareswhatsthepoint.com or you can follow us on Twitter at Saab, S-A-R-B. That's me, Saab Johal, your host and producer. And you can also follow us at WCWTP on Twitter too. You can find us on Facebook and you can email us, contact at whocareswhatsthepoint.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and remember... Who cares? What's the point? Thank you.